0: Spend less time quoting and more time selling. Shazam. Hey, Job Shop listeners. We have a great conversation for you today. We are live at the world headquarters of ACP Laser and Waterjet, and that is in Woburn, Massachusetts, here with owner Carlos Fernandez, and we will be chatting about some of the challenges he faced starting up a shop, the different equipment that he uses, as well as what he's looking in the future as well as some of the ways that Google AdWords has helped him grow his business to where it is today. So, welcome to the Job Shop Show, Carlos.
1: Hey, Jay. Thanks uh, for having me here.
0: Yeah. So, I was just out at Fabtech. This is November 2019. Yep. You were out there as well. What brought you to Fabtech?
1: Uh, just looking for what's still out there. Well, we, can be, uh, look, we can be looking for uh, new technology, uh, robotics. Yeah. Uh, always looking for new stuff, even stuff that doesn't apply to what we do today, but we can always use uh, in the near future.
0: What caught your interest?
1: Uh, I've been going to FabTech for three, four years now, and uh, it's almost like you get hooked, where <laughs> every year has a new technology coming over uh, on our field. Uh, and automation is usually uh, what catches my attention, uh, trying to... Uh, bridge the gap between uh people and Mm -hmm. machine right and that's how we can grow and compete having better machines
0: did uh, you buy anything not yet not yet but Uh, you got a shopping list for christmas
1: we have a, a good size shopping list
0: great so before we plunge into some of my questions i want to make sure this one gets answered and again you were just at fabtech how else do you learn about best practices new equipment What's going on out there? Where do you get your ideas?
1: I usually do a lot of research online myself uh, and also through some magazines that come through, especially when it goes Fabtech. They sign you up for a bunch of magazines and uh, I take a quick look through them. But I usually when we have an issue, I'll just go online and do my research Mm -hmm. uh, as much as I can from competitors, from bigger companies, uh, and what's new on uh, machine manufacturers. So I do my own homework to see what's what's out there, to sure. make our
0: life easier. How about salespeople stopping in? Are they a valuable resource for you or more of a waste of time?
1: More of a waste of time, I would say. Uh,
0: so how if, if I'm a salesperson stopping in to see a shop owner, mm-hmm. how can I make that time more valuable for you?
1: I would say if you bring in new technology that I haven't seen online, uh, which is tough these days with the internet, and mm-hmm. YouTube, you can basically get all your answers online. Right. Uh, or if it's just the right uh, moment that our, we are looking for a product or a service and that person comes in. So it could work, but it's not. Most of the time it, it doesn't because it's just trying to sell something we uh, have or we already solved that issue. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough finding a good
0: balance there. Is there... One salesperson who you will always see, or is it you're just looking online more and not not relying on the sales? People?
1: We're definitely looking online more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, one of the things that I love about your story is that you came to the U.S. in 2001, like correct? One month before September. 9/11. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you could give us a little bit of your background before you came to the country as well sure. as what you did once you got here and your journey to the point where you started to want to become a shop owner, or perhaps I was there all all along. Yeah. But just tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, I believe that uh, where we are today is something that we never thought about. It. Uh, when we came in, we came in uh, to uh, as students, students. Uh, English is a second language, mm-hmm. and uh, to uh, I was uh, in uh, architecture. Uh, I was doing bachelor in mm-hmm. Brazil, back in Brazil. That's mm-hmm. where I come from, and uh, we came over to improve our English and also get some take some courses on on architecture and uh, Cuban, uh, urban urban uh, uh,
0: architecture. Uh, so you were still a student. I in was still a student in
1: two thousand one. Okay. Then uh, I actually. I dropped out of school in Brazil, and uh, what happened is uh, it was a progress. We, we, we came over. I, I came over with Patricia, which is my business partner, mm-hmm. uh, and we had a plan just to stay a couple of years, keep our English and do all the courses we could, mm-hmm. go back home, and uh, keep going with life. But uh, we fell in love with the American lifestyle. And uh the opportunity we had growing we we would we saw us growing a lot more here than back home uh where a lot of issues we have there nowadays and and before when we came but uh we started doing what I would say most Brazilian uh immigrants that don't have a college degree or come with a job mm-hmm. to do where you go through the restaurant business so you so you work in restaurants uh you're gonna deliver pizza. A pizza, you deliver. We did newspaper, so we did all kinds of jobs that you could possibly do to to pay your bills and get you know get your classes, uh, pay for school. Right. Uh, but uh, within two three years, uh, I got a job as a carpenter, Then that's what I did before I opened up the shop. And that was one of the things I like because we're building houses, remodeling, and that was more in line with what I was doing back home. And. Uh, about 6 years into to carpentry same company loved uh, loved to work there and uh loved what we used to do uh loved the boss and and workers uh, coworkers were really nice but uh I always had a always wanted to be my own boss mm-hmm. so it's, um, but it's, uh with that be- there's a lot of challenges behind that but uh we started the company in
0: 2009 mm-hmm
1: he used to have a business partner, and the only reason we chose we chose Waterjet was uh, he used to work on a uh, metal distributor that had waterjets, and they were just running twenty four seven. So uh, we got together. We wanted to open up a business, and that's how we 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 chose Waterjet as a starting point mm-hmm. uh, for our business. And uh, in two thousand and nine, we were able to get that open uh, with the Mitsubishi
0: Waterjet. So let's step back just a little bit. Before we started, you shared a little bit about mm-hmm. it was a pretty high-end crew, and you guys did everything. Is everything. and
1: in- Yeah. We used to do on the construction side, we, yeah, we go from foundation to the roof. We did everything. And there were ourselves. just four of you? There was only four, and we were doing multi-million dollar houses, so it was uh, high-end
0: uh, remodeling. What lessons did you learn there that you apply today in your business?
1: So I would say the two, the two most important is quality. First one is quality and then schedule because everybody has a schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, even for what we do in manufacturing, you have a due date. You have to be out of there. or We have to be done with parts. But we have to be done with parts and they have to have quality. Uh, we cannot just send a part out that's not deburred or it's, it's poorly packaged. Uh, Those things would count. So we did everything from uh, cleaning after ourselves more than anything on construction. Uh, We kept the schedule on time, and uh, we kept the quality uh, the best we could do. If it wasn't good for us, it wasn't good for our customer. So we had to redo it, or uh, it, it wouldn't go through. And that's the thing with manufacturing. It has to be good. Because uh, you have, or it's coming back, or it's coming back. Nobody's <laughs> gonna call you. Hey, you did a very good job, but I do usually call calling you back with some issues you had, or or, and uh, we make sure that we don't have that. We make sure that before it goes out the door, we catch any mistakes, which is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to make sure we catch inside and we fix that and we send to the customer, so we have no issues uh, going forward. But quality and uh, lead time, yeah, uh, price can be one of those things too but i think pricing is not too critical when you have uh, a deadline uh, a quick that de- a quick turnaround
0: um, so like many owners who have started shops yeah your journey has not been a straight line no. and in the beginning you had the idea who was your Partner originally. Yeah, well, I used to be Alex. Alex. So, you and Alex came together, and Patricia. Correct. To oh, that's where the ACP and ACP water yeah. jet comes from. Okay.
1: And advanced cutting process, so you can use oh, both.
0: Okay, great.
1: So we have advanced the, cutting process. Yeah, you you definitely want to start with an A because you'd be on top of the list. Sure. Uh, we didn't have any B, so we could we had to go with C and P was just there. It was.
0: So you had a, you and Alex and Patricia had an idea, correct. We want to get into water jet cutting, correct. But it's an idea. Maybe did you write a business plan?
1: We did write, uh, wrote a business plan, but uh, regardless of what you write on paper is different sure. on, on life,
0: right? And you, you, so you didn't have any space, so you, you needed to get space, correct. You needed to get the financing. To, to get a water. Jet. Did you get a bank loan initially or did you just rely on savings?
1: So what we had with, uh, we rely on credit cards and uh, we had uh, we still kept our full-time jobs to, to pay the bill. And that's, that's how we were able to get the, the company going, uh, for the first two years until I, I took over the business. But it was, uh, so we needed a company that will finance us for the machine. And uh, regardless of how good your business plan is, without any customers, it's going to be tough. And, that's the, and 2009 was a recession year. So it was really oh. tough getting any loan approved. But uh, before you get a machine, you need a place because they yes. will not even think about <laughs> lending you. Uh, Where are we going to you, ship it? <laughs> yeah. So you got to have a shipping pl- uh, a, a warehouse. So we got the warehouse first. We, have, uh, we bought our forklift first. Uh, lifting equipment and some other equipment to start even before the machine started so basically we got the warehouse in december machine came in in april so we have those three four months to get everything ready so they could approve
0: us. big commitment without any
1: customers with zero customers yeah it was uh it was challenging it was challenging for sure
0: so i i wanted you to relay this because for two types of people who may be listening. One, if you are thinking about opening a shop, some of the things that you're sharing and will share are, it's all part of the journey of making a shop successful, going from zero customers to having lots of customers going from zero revenue to revenue that is profitable. But also for myself, I started, I bought a very small shop Mm -hmm. and when I mean small, with one person came along with it, and it was about I think six thousand square feet sheet metal shop. Yeah, and many of the shop owners who are listening started the same way that you and I did. So it reminds me of it's sort of almost like having kids. You you don't always remember the bad things, no, but uh, the sleepless nights. But there's definitely sleepless nights when you're starting a shop, and those are the things, though, that build the character, build the foundation of the business. And it's fun, as I'm chatting with you, thinking about some of the things that I had to go through, and I want to find out some more. So you, your first shop, how, how many square feet was that?
1: It was uh, 2,000 square feet.
0: 2,000 square feet. Yeah. Big enough sh- for
1: a machine. And, yeah, you and-
0: shoehorned <laughs> in a, a water jet.
1: Yeah, so we had a five by ten water jet and all the things that come with it, which is your abrasive removal system, your water recycling system, uh, your pump. So mm-hmm. it took close to half of the warehouse just for the machine, and then you gotta have space for your storage, your your metal, uh, and your office. So mm-hmm. some of those things they gotta have. And
0: 2009, the three of you. Mm-hmm. You're working part time,
1: correct? So we're working full time at our jobs and coming at night and weekends. Uh, But when we started, we basically have no customers, so we start online marketing and uh, looking at how we can get people. Right? How did you get your customers? So it was online marketing that we did. Uh, We also at when you say
0: online marketing.
1: I would say you have Google, which was a big part. But Google is easy to work now. 10 years ago, wasn't as easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you send an email to Google and nobody, you gotta, <laughs> your ad does not comply with the terms of Google and your ad is blocked. So you have no idea why. Right. Today, they call you every month. How are we doing? Can we change something? But 10 years ago, Google was not the Google of, of today where you can get uh, your answers. You have to go through an email and you have to hope for uh, that they come back and, And get that issue. But uh, we had to go through online marketing, which is Mm -hmm. Google, some other venues like Manta. I don't know if Manta is still around, Mm -hmm. ThomasNet. So we did some of those companies. Uh, We also had, uh, we built a website and we had to do, uh, we used to fax. We used to use a lot of fax a lot because there was still a lot of people that would read faxes uh, and email. We would just go online and email as much people as we could. We go through a list A to Z, and we start. We didn't, never bought a list of uh, one of those lists, but we were just emailing. emailing uh,
0: do you remember? Prospective customers. Do you remember your first order, your first customer? Oh yeah, yeah. Huh. Tell me about it.
1: Well, it was. Uh, I don't remember when it was within the month, the first month, but uh, it was. Uh, it was definitely a, a good thing to have, and then it's your first order. You have to make sure that. Again, you have quality and lead time.
0: Mm-hmm. But at
1: that time, your lead time doesn't really matter because you don't have anybody else. <laughs> you want the parts yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> you can have the parts that the same day and deliver to your customer. That's how you know. That's how busy you are. But uh, right. we still, I, I believe uh, that that first order is still one of our customers uh, nowadays, almost 11 years later. Actually, most of the people that we did orders on that first year, which wasn't a lot, they are still our customers Uh to, to this day so that proves that quality lead time and I think the other thing is being honest with your customer yes if you if you can't do it just say you can't do it but you can do it in a certain way that's what I see through vendors that we had to go through and probably you have to go through yes I think just being honest with your your customer base is better than uh, it better you not do it and he finds somebody that can do that job for that particular reason then you say you can you commit to it. He has a deadline, and you cannot meet that deadline. So we never
0: that, did that, that way. That's a great point because we all want to please the customer. So yeah. it is so easy to say yes, yeah. but it's really hard to say no. But saying no gains you more credibility in the long run because Correct. you are true to your word. Yeah,
1: because. Uh, the worst thing you can possibly have is a customer calling you about his parts and you have no idea uh, mm-hmm. when that's going to be done. And we've been through, you know, over 10 years now, we, we have vendors that you call, and you don't know what's going to happen. And I never want to be that vendor. I want to be the vendor that you have a due date on It's going to be on that date or before that date. So we always, we were honest with the customers, even uh, when it was too big or something we couldn't do is said we just can't do it. It's just not that uh, we have some other orders, and your order actually takes longer than you want it to be ready for. So, honesty with the customers definitely pays off.
0: So, let's fast forward to today. Mm-hmm. Give us the thumbnail sketch of ACP.
1: Yeah, so today we focus on uh, quick turnaround, uh, short runs. Uh, we also have some longer run jobs, but I think the the We've seen more business coming in on uh, jobs that require lead time with less than five days, uh, where you prototype. And even small runs, mm. you still want it quicker. Uh, and that's where we fit in uh, with those customers, where they are prototyping companies or they are not, e- not, not prototyping, but they building assemblies and some components of those assemblies need
0: parts right away. So high mix, low volume. High mix, low volume. Water jet cutting, laser cutting. Correct. And we bending sheet, sheet metal, yeah. Sure. And how, how big is the facility today, Home.
1: Right now we are at 6,000 square feet.
0: And you run one long shift?
1: We run one long shift from uh, 630 to 7.
0: Gotcha. So Alex is not with you today. What? Maybe you could tell the story yeah. of... How, how, how uh, that evolved? So,
1: uh, we started 2009. So by the end of 2009 was a very slow. Year. Mm-hmm. We were just starting, getting you no know, customers, and but uh, well, we made it through. So the second year came in, and uh, we basically doubled sales on the second year. Uh, so we were able to get more customers, repeat orders. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking 2010. Economy wasn't doing great either, but it was getting somewhere better than 2009. Uh, There were a few shops closing as well. So we take some of that business from other people that could not handle the uh, recession. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at some point in the we close to getting to the third year, we needed somebody to be at the shop full time because we were getting to the point where we needed people receiving orders and shipping and and quoting. Because to me, the quoting process is very important. You don't want to make your customer wait. Because mm-hmm. otherwise he'll look, if he's in a rush, he's going to go with somebody else.
0: It, we saw that all the time. We, yeah. we could document yeah. that if we responded to a quote within an hour, within 10 minutes, within 24 hours, the faster we responded, the higher the win rate. Yeah. It so so, so correlates yeah. to response time.
1: So the response time was important, but you have to be there. Uh, you have to be there to get your material pricing. You get all the the factors to create your quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happened is uh, somebody had to quit their jobs.
0: And so somebody the, had to go full time.
1: Yeah, one of those between the two of us uh, had to go full time. And uh, at the time, we both had young kids. Uh, a new boy. We had a newborn. Uh, our daughter was wasn't even one year old, and Alex already had his daughter close to two years old. So it was a tough time because you had a safety net where it's your job. You can pay your bills, but you also have a company that's growing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So at some point we sat down and uh, we had a talk where we would either find somebody to buy the company as this, which it wasn't worth much. Mm -hmm. uh, Or some some of us quit uh, our daytime jobs and have somebody support when needed, not if needed, but when needed, okay, we need to create a, a salary, and if the company cannot get to that point, you have to step in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we came out to the, you know, fast forwarding, We, uh, I had the intention to buy the company, and
0: he wanted to sell. So it worked out, you it both got what you wanted.
1: Really well. Even though I had a new bond, I, I really believed the company we double sales in one year with zero customers. And I knew that if I spend more time marketing, Mm -hmm. uh, we would be able to succeed. And, uh, so we were able to make an agreement where I would pay him. And we, we had a business, uh, evaluation. So
0: So, you, so you went out and had a third uh, third party.
1: We went third party to get a pricing for what we had, because we wanted to do everything by the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we had that number and, uh, the only way we could do it is what, by installments. So sure. we got an agreement that uh, we made is, uh, X amount of money per month for a couple of years, I think. And uh, that's how it's been through. He accepted, and uh, we never missed one installment, and we were able to pay all the bills since then. So it was a very, uh, dis- a very tough decision to make because sure. we were buying a company that still wasn't making enough money to keep my, my family. And we we also had to pay
0: installment uh, true to, uh, to pay our fifty percent did you or Patricia have to work outside of the company in the no. after
1: that i I thought about it getting a job at night yes uh, and Patricia was one of the uh, main factors I did not is so if, you if you believe your company you don't have to work on another company, it's just let's do what we can to to get this company going uh, without going at night. So, spend your extra time at night and do some more work. So, position was definitely a, a big... So, part you re,
0: reinvested in yourself and in the company. Correct.
1: And uh, again, was researching online what my competitors were doing, what they have for <laughs> machines, what machines were out there, uh, visiting customers. Uh, and we had customers as far as... Uh, at that time, we had Connecticut. So, I would go to Connecticut. I will go anywhere we had customers to see what they were doing, how we were doing, and trying to improve. But uh in online marketing I think without online marketing, Google or any other of those venues, we, we wouldn't be
0: here. Uh, uh Google today. AdWords were critical for rapid. Google And AdWords. even at the end we yeah. spent quite a bit of money there.
1: Yeah, you still and today you have Facebook, you have some other venues you can spend a lot less money and get get your your company out there. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing some of that Instagram, Facebook and some other some, some other venues for online marketing. But you, I don't think you can stop even when you have enough work. It's,
0: it's tough uh, that, to stop. It's That's a great point. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because I think a lot of shop owners start looking for work when they need it, and that's the wrong time to be it looking is. for work. You, you have to be looking for work and prioritizing new customers when you're busy Correct. because – that's laying the foundation for when you really do need them.
1: Yeah. So what we did, even like this year, when we are really busy, we just lower our budget mm-hmm. on marketing. That way we don't have as many uh, new RFUs mm-hmm. uh, or or more jobs that will impact our customer database right now. So we, we're always trying to grow slow- and keep them happy as well. And we have been doing that since we yeah.
0: started. I used to describe it as my foot was on the accelerator, and when we were busy, I would let up on the accelerator of sales and marketing, and when I sensed that times were getting slower, I would push down hard on it. Yeah. But it's a fine balance of going at it the is. same speed all yeah. the time. Yeah, because you
1: have... Uh you have a week that's a little bit slower than you get some more of that mm-hmm. marketing done. And then on the next week, everything comes together. Right. And you have to make sure that you can get all that, st- all that work done
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: on time. But marketing is something that you can't stop, uh, regardless of budget. I would just control budget based on how busy your shop is. Yeah, That way you can still get in. Because if you're busy, most most likely everybody will too. And if you're offering a service where people are three, four weeks out mm-hmm. and you need only a part or two that needs to be done in a day or two, we are here. That's how we got in. Uh, and if they like it, they might come back to us only on Rush jobs. which we've seen that. We have customers that only come to us. They have all the water jet houses or metal fabrication houses. They do all the work. But when it comes to Rush orders, they come to us where we get those uh, we get those orders completed where they need it, uh, and so we're not their main supplier, but we are one of their suppliers for uh, rush work. brush work.
0: Getting back to your timeline, mm-hmm. you started out with waterjet, correct? Then we'll talk a little bit about your equipment okay. in a bit. But you got into laser cutting when? Anyway.
1: Laser cutting was about five, five years ago, but uh, we went from what we, we started with water jet, then we got a press break. Okay,
0: the press main, break came before?
1: Came before laser. The main reason is we could not get finance for a laser because lasers are a more expensive machine. But uh, we wanted to diversify, we wanted to offer a, another service to, to go along with the water jet, mm-hmm. so we got a press break. So, press break comes about two years before the laser.
0: Um, and then the laser... Then the laser came. Why? When you, is the la, do you consider the laser diversifying? Or what did the laser bring to the table that the water jet didn't?
1: So the laser uh, made us able to compete on the sheet metal market, where the water jet is very slow. Even if you stack sheets, because some engineers or uh, companies want you to stack the sheets, but you still cannot keep up with the laser uh, speed. Mm-hmm. And laser will keep the same quality, same tolerance as the water jet or better. Uh, but we needed to get the sheet metal work done on the laser. And that's the only way we could get through some doors. Uh, we already had the press brake, so it was a perfect combo, the mm-hmm. laser and press brake uh, at a time. But the laser came only after because of financials.
0: We could not get approved uh, to get a laser. How much did your first laser cost you?
1: The first one we got a pre-owned laser for under two hundred thousand. Oh, wow. so it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. It's uh, not bad. Yeah. But when we were looking at it, there was no pre-owned. Uh, they were around four to five hundred. Uh, basically, same
0: about the same we as we spent today. about a half million yeah. on each of our first two lasers. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So and today with automation, you close to a million dollars on the machine. So you have to have the work mm-hmm. or have the have the capability to find work. So we got both. For us, the the machine always came first, then the work later. I think because we started that way. So we always get a machine. We got a press break without any bending jobs or any contracts. Then we advertise that service. Then we got customers for both services or just the press break. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the lasers. We knew some jobs we were doing on water jet could be done on a laser. uh, Either sheet metal work or some lighter gauge steel uh, and we were doing the water jet because our customers liked our work. Uh, it was not a, a high uh, quantity of parts. So it was still okay price wise. But in, at the point where we need to go 500 plus parts or even 100 plus, depending on the part size, the laser is the only way to laser, go. Laser, right. It's just, it's, it's price point.
0: We talked about some of the challenges. Obviously, financing is a huge challenge. You're growing twenty to thirty percent a year. correct. What are some of the other challenges that you have faced or are facing that someone who's looking to start a job shop may think about but not really think about or not even be aware that it's going to be a challenge
1: yeah, I think the the challenge everybody has now is labor uh finding the right people uh, mm-hmm. to work and not just uh I think the work ethic and common sense it's a little hard to find. You can find people to work, but uh it's uh can't having, teach common sense you cannot right? teach common sense. And that's that's <laughs> big. Uh but uh most people that work here now they started with no experience at all. They never work on sheet metal or water jet. We st- we train them. Uh so they have I would say they, they have pretty good common sense and they, uh, cause you have to be safe. That's one thing. Uh, and you can get mm-hmm. hurt. These sheet metal machines, mm-hmm. you're lifting a thousand pound sheets. Uh, mm-hmm. so you have to be really careful. You have to think about it. Uh, not just put a sheet on the table, start cutting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say labor is one of them. Then at the point we are now, we're looking into automation where talk, uh, we're looking at cobots. That's one thing we saw at FabTech, where you can have machine tending robots for your press break or even your tapping arm, where you have. They're going to be a little bit slower than your employee for sure, because your employee does that a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. But they can run 24 hours a day, nonstop, and that's where uh, we want to get in uh, mm-hmm. as soon as possible, so we can get used to the te- the technology. Uh, we can we can have a, a cobot doing welding. Uh, which we that's some, something we don't do it on in uh, in house. Mm-hmm. We can have the cobalt doing uh, tapping and we can also do machine tending. We have a job that we run a lot laser now that we're cutting panels and mm-hmm. that has a we can have a cobalt just loading and loading those panels without a shuttle table, right? Because uh, one of the challenges we also face is space. I mean, New England's very expensive uh, uh, to rent space or buy space.
0: So we got a chance to walk around your shop before and it's pretty full right now. Are you looking at more space?
1: Yeah. So we're looking at two different, uh, we're looking to buy our building. Uh, Buying a building is tough because you either find uh, too big of a building that uh, it wouldn't uh, be feasible for us. Mm -hmm. And the other venue we're trying to go is just building uh, a warehouse, uh, a pretty straightforward warehouse. Uh, We're looking to get between 15 20,000 square feet to go from here because I think within another five years, that's where we're going to be size-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go from a six to 10, we might be okay for one or two years, but looking for the, the, the next five years, uh, the way we're growing is just going to, we're going to be in the same situation right now mm-hmm. where we can manage because what will happen is we were selling the larger machines and getting smaller machines. So we have more throughput we have more machines, more cutting heads now with the same space. We also reduce the size of the sheet on our inventory, so we still have the same variety, but we they are smaller sheets.
0: So I want to uh, just circle back the when we bought our first building. So we were we were in a building that was I like called a dungeon. I think the guys who worked with me would agree that it was pretty much like that in the summertime we had to let everyone go home early on really hot days because it would get in the high 90s in the shop and we looked at a 25,400 square foot building the standard boxes that were in Nashua and originally we were going to lease out a portion of the building but by the time the whole process worked out and we looked at our workflow we said even though we're paying more money and we don't need the space today it really makes sense not to lease not to because moving equipment around sheet metal equipment oh yeah water jet equipment it's you, and you just don't move lasers cuz they don't no. run the same after you move them correct so we uh, decided that The whole space should be ours and we would grow into it. And I came to think of things like that as essentially if you believe in your business, the extra space paying the rent is almost insurance for growth. Correct. And once I had that mindset of insurance for growth, it made me comfortable having extra space as long as the cash flow supported it. Correct. But then it also gave me a mindset that there's other investments that I would want to make that with the orders that I had today, the revenue I had today, maybe the people, that it wouldn't make sense to bring them in-house but or get a bigger building. But the, that's insurance for growth because... The last thing you want to do, is, when you're growing, is disappoint your customers and turn people away because yeah. you just don't have the capacity to make parts for them.
1: Yeah, and that's where we are now. We, I was talking to my realtor this morning and said, "Well, we, mm-hmm. we have a plans to build a 20,000 square feet so we can lease five or 10,000 out of that building, but mm-hmm. we I was thinking the same thing, where with 10,000, 10,000 will solve, solve my problem now." Mm-hmm. So I'd be done. So five years from now, I'm gonna be struggling for another five or ten thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. So you'll most likely just build a twenty, just like I said, have the warehouse built anyways at twenty thousand square feet, and just uh, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be full uh, with quicker than uh, we were planning.
0: You also are adjusting the size of the parts that you're making, and you said that you're going smaller, and this goes back to what you were saying earlier about saying no to the things that aren't the best for the business. And essentially you're saying no to big parts, which it's easy to say yes if you've got the machinery, yeah. which you do in-house, but the laser that I saw on the floor, you could probably, it's a Trump laser. It's got a, is it a 5x10 or 6x12? 5x10. So it looked like you could probably fit three of the IPG lasers in the same space. So, yes, there's material storing and other things, but the IPG can only handle a 4x4 sheet. So you're constraining your part size, but it's a trade-off. Okay, I will lose some larger part business. I might lose some efficiencies on working with larger sheets, but now i have more optionality with the space so going small is a strategy for you that i see is where you are deliberately saying no but it sounds like that's the one that you've determined is the right for your growth in the future correct Can you talk about what that also means though by going smaller some of the other ramifications that are flowing through the shop
1: yeah because what happens is uh High mix, uh, small quantities mm-hmm. uh, of parts. And we have next day orders. We have next day rush, two to three days and four to five days. Mm-hmm. So by having more cutting heads, we can do those a lot quicker mm. than a larger. Uh, for the building we are now, we wouldn't be able to do that way. Uh, have more cutting heads, special laser. Now we have three lasers and two water jets looking for the third water jet. But before we have the floor plan that we have now, we used to have two larger water jets, two 6x12s.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And we haven't lost uh, we haven't lost jobs uh, because of the machine size limitations because we were looking at, okay, we're bringing in a full sheet of aluminum that's 12 feet long.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Moving that sheet of aluminum in our shop is tough. Instead of a 4x4. Four four. A 4x4 four four with a pallet jack, we put it anywhere. And right. if it's a sheet of one-eighth aluminum, my guy can just grab it without using the crane. So he'd be a lot quicker. By the time you start cutting that 50-part on the large trump, mm-hmm. I'm done with that on the IPG. Just because my guy didn't need a crane or forklifts, he'd just go to the rack, grab that sheet, put mm-hmm. it on the on the machine. You may
0: have to load the sheets more often. You Correct. may pay a little more for the material, Yeah, but you gain it. In the totality of the process.
1: Correct. And uh, But having more space, the one thing we'll do is having we, we could have a large system with uh, automation that can load and load in a tower system.
0: Uh, you keep going back to automation, Carlos.
1: Automation, I think, is, especially for sheet metal, uh, water jet, it's tough to automate. Uh, there was a uh, there was a company in the US that had automation which was Bistronic. They had a, a mm-hmm. load uh, similar to the lasers. Where they some have of the shuttles
0: but that's you're talking automation that's provided by the manufacturer, but with some of the cobots that you probably saw at the Correct. show, you could come up with your own solution and that would potentially give you a competitive advantage over other water jet.
1: That's true. People. Yeah. So with the cobots we could probably do the same as uh, load and load smaller sheets. So if I have an order that will take uh, a few hours uh, mm-hmm. to do on a 4x4, four four, but I can divide that into a 24x24. 24 24. A cobalt could be a possibility where I have a stack of sheets that are 24x24, 24 24 and that cobalt's loading and unloading. You, mm-hmm. you pre-tab them and just unload and go to the next job. Right. But uh, you can do a lot. I mean, automation is things that it's been in my head, mm-hmm. but when you come back from Fabtech, you see everything so big. And you come in yes. to the <laughs> six thousand square foot space. Yes. And then you say, Okay, how can I do that? And uh the only way to Did we you, can do did it you now see
0: that fifteen thousand watt laser at the show?
1: Oh yeah. Fifteen, twelve, ten. They are just uh
0: It was crazy. Nonsense. Yeah. The, uh, did you see the plate that they cut with that fifteen thousand? No. It was I think three inches thick. Yeah. It was amazing yeah. when you throw that much power at at it what you can cut through.
1: Yeah, so with the newer lasers, more power is more speed, but then without automation, you're stuck. Right, Because right. it, it, it took you half the time to cut that sheet, but if you don't have automation to, or a sort system, you, you're back in the same game where mm-hmm. you have to have more labor to get those sheets out and keep feeding that machine.
0: The automation you are talking about is really more physical automation of part loading, unloading, but you also are being constrained in quoting and in getting parts out the door from a a software standpoint. Can you talk about those a little bit?
1: Yeah, so software is also something that as much automated as you can will be Mm -hmm. easier because you have your quoting process, which we already talked about, is important. We need to get a quote out especially if you're looking for the rush orders. Uh, so that requires some sort of automation, mm-hmm. so automated software to get that quote. And also once we got that job, that has to go to the shop floor. So it has to have a way uh, of nesting with current jobs by due date. So you have to find software, or create your own, which sometimes is the case where you have to create your own production software or you create your own. Uh, nesting, automatic nesting software. So those come along with the automation. So you have the hardware Mm -hmm. and then you need software support and vice versa. So you need both to to be able to keep growing and compete.
0: So on the shop floor, I saw a computer with an Excel spreadsheet that you're using for scheduling. And that surprised me because there you are using a ERP, uh, ERP system, piece, yeah. Yeah, and that, let's not go into names, but if you can just share why you are using an Excel spreadsheet rather than a name brand ERP system sure. for scheduling, what the challenge is for you there. I think the
1: challenge is when uh, the the ERP systems, are, the one we have, they are more into a machine shop, uh, environment where you, you're machining one part at a time. Mm-hmm. So you have a job number that's created or a number that's created so you can mm-hmm. log in, uh, tell what operation you're going to do and get the job going. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with that process. But when we do sheet metal uh, on a laser, uh, you're doing 20 different parts on the same sheet of material. Mm-hmm. and But every part creates a new number. Yep. Uh, so the struggle we have is having all those Logged in at the same time, that way we can track it track it better uh, and we were' not able to find uh, a, a good medium that we can do that,
0: and uh, it takes too long
1: exactly by the time my guy input all the information, that job's done, so he has to <laughs> so he's going to spend more time. Some jobs are like that we're doing three parts, and three parts are the same material thickness, but they have three part numbers mm-hmm. by the time he 's done and then down the line, the next guy over the, the inspection, and then your deburring, or if you have secondary ops, he has to do that again three times. And the way we created, we created a way where we track the work order on the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. So he goes to, I'm starting this work order now, and this process we're using is this water jet or laser, because all is gonna most likely it's gonna start on the cutting table. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was a lot easier. He created that process. We created that simple process uh, that tracks by date. So we have the due dates that keep moving up.
0: Uh, Have you looked at Airtable at all? Have you heard of that? No. It is a combination between a spreadsheet and a database. And people are using it for some really innovative things. There's also a couple other companies that are very similar to it just curious about so it's more, it.
1: So it's more of a, because it'd be more of an access database where you can create I, a, some formulas? Now, no. now you're going
0: over <laughs> my head, but... It, the,
1: these are ERP systems, are all access <clears throat> database, most of them.
0: Right. The, the Airtable is not an ERP system. It is a... They want to be sort of a cross between SQL okay. and Excel, if I can put it in my very simplistic yes. terms. And they also allow to bring in web elements so that you okay. have a lot of flexibility in what you can control. I don't know if it would have an application, but it's something that I think is... You don't have to be a programmer to use it.
1: Yeah, and that's what you don't want. Right. You don't want to spend a lot mm-hmm. of time training for, for a simple procedure.
0: Right. Uh,
1: and some of these ERP softwares are very complicated.
0: Are you looking? uh, Have you found any programs out there that are maybe more sheet metal or laser or water jet focused that you might be able to just plug in from a scheduling standpoint or anything that's on the radar?
1: It's something on the radar. We found the the programming part of the software where you can have your sheet metal being automatically nested, especially Mm. on our fast moving schedule. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. where you have new jobs coming in and they are this, they are fitting. So we're fitting in a, a software and he's nesting based on what's coming in and due date and material type. So
0: it's a dynamic nesting?
1: It's a dynamic nesting.
0: Whose software
1: is that? It's uh, MetaMation. So they call MetaMation Enterprise, which is a. So you throw in your DXF files, your parts in there, uh, and they have to be good. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that they right. have no issues. That's the other problem we have making sure customer supply us with good files, uh, step files or DXF files. So once you have those, let's say everything is good, you can feed the system where you can have uh, the feast, the system fish through your folders. Okay, so I have my orders folder mm-hmm. where you put those files there by due date. And as soon as it goes there, it goes through this enterprise system where it's going to look through what's the material type, the quantity, and see if, if any open jobs or sheets are the same material. And it will renest that sheet automatic. So that saves you time sure. coming back to the programmer. And most likely what's going to happen is you just don't do it. Right. You go in, you start a new sheet, so you right. don't and optimize so got the material. Of,
0: correct. Gotcha. And have you found a solution for the estimating and quoting? Because I saw that you have embedded in your website. Yeah.
1: So estimating and quoting... Uh, Paperless, we're going through the process we've been using for about a, a couple of months. Mm-hmm. We, we know for a longer time uh, and we find it useful. We're trying to get uh, we're fine tuning the way we're quoting through the website, uh, what quotes come in and trying to see where customers are missing the point of using the the, the system, the software, mm-hmm. where they can upload the DXF for step file and get almost like an instant quote. Uh, so that helps a lot.
0: Do you find that customers want to use a web form to send in an RFQ, or do most of them still like just to email it in?
1: I think the new generation goes through the website all the time, regardless if they have a, a number, because I have customers that been uh, our account mm-hmm. uh, customers for a long time and they have new people coming in and they just use the forms they go through the form they get upload all your files the quantities and put the notes and uh
0: so if you didn't have a online rfq form do you think you would lose potential quoting opportunities from younger customers
1: i think so because young young well, customer, they my want, my
0: suspicion is yeah, yes, they want but pricing right now. It's not how I think, but yeah, that's, that's I think what
1: it, it, it. As long as it's easy to use, I mean, you cannot spend too much time. You, especially if you're only looking for one or two parts, mm-hmm. and you look, you have a really tight deadline. Yes, so you almost want an instant quote, which is that's what we're gonna. That's our end goal, where we fine tune the software good enough, the platform good enough, where the customer can have that pricing right away. Mm-hmm. And it's doable. It will take some time to get a fine tuned, but it's definitely doable. And the, the, the issue will be syncing all that information to our ERP system or whatever system we use for to create your routing. And then from your routing, it goes to the uh, enterprise software where you'll send those parts to available sheets. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a sequence, a good sequence to, well, to make it efficient.
0: The good news is you've been doing this long enough. Yeah. And I certainly did. The technology is only getting better because if you think back 10 years ago, a lot of these tools didn't exist. Your only options were desktop and it was harder to get information.
1: Correct. Yeah, no, nowadays it's definitely easier. Yeah. You get all the information you need online. Uh,
0: So... Anything you? Any other challenges that come to mind that uh, somebody who might be thinking about starting a shop could you, get whacked upside the uh, head without knowing about?
1: Well, everybody says it takes five years to to become a business, and when you're starting it, and you think you're going to be rich within two years, uh, at least we did. <laughs> uh, I'm not not that's a true story, but it's just. Uh, it takes a five. That's what they say. It's, it's not a number that they put out there. It's, it will take you a good five years to get a customer base built mm-hmm. if you're doing everything right. And from five years, uh, and then you got to keep up. Not only built, because you also have to keep up that quality and everything you're doing to to get to the five years. Uh, and then you get to a new challenge where we are, where we are still growing. Then you got to make sure you grow organized. And that's true. Automation, software, everything that comes together. Mm-hmm. But it's a uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a long process, and uh, it's a twenty-four hour process. Being a business owner is twenty-four seven. No matter who, what, no matter what area in business you are, you always work. You always working for your for your company.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: uh, you might be on vacation, but it's really hard to shut it off at least for me. Uh, so it's uh, it's a commitment you have to make uh, to be your, your own boss and have your company because you're committing to your customer base. If you don't deliver, they go away. And there's plenty of options out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of water just shops, plenty of sheet metal fabrication shops just like us mm-hmm. that are out there competing with us.
0: And as you start to grow and you bring people on board, yeah. now there's an obligation to – they've got families – you want to make sure that you don't put them in a tough spot.
1: Yeah, you want to make sure you have work for everybody that works under your, your yeah. company now. So yeah, that's, a lot of
0: responsibility. Yeah.
1: And that's one thing. That's why you say, I say that you don't shut off. Because yeah. you have to make sure if you have a slower week, you get worried about it. Mm-hmm. But then you're too busy, then you worry about too. So there's no... Uh, there's, <laughs> yeah, you're worried yeah. if you got too much business, yeah, you're worried if, if You, if you <laughs> don't have a lot. So it's always a constant challenge. Yeah. Yeah, is but you have to be ready for otherwise yeah. you, you, know, you can on your day job you can just go do your work and go home you have your weekend off or you have your vacation mm-hmm. with a business you you never know what's going to happen, but through automation, through uh online uh, quoting and software, you can get some of that done for you, and that's where that's what we've been looking for the the, the last uh, couple of years, probably. Because it's hard to find a product that will fit all your needs, so you have to find product that can at least supply with both uh, mm-hmm. the majority of your problems. Because uh, mm-hmm. without software and and good equipment, good people, you just you're gonna get stuck. You,
0: I'm gonna switch gears here. Sure. I'm just thinking you do work for a lot of not end-use customers, but for other shops. Correct. And if I was a machine shop owner, where might I use a company like yours to help me be a better job shop in the sense that you could do laser cutting or water jet cutting for me? So where are some of the... Let's, say, let's be specific. In machine sure. shops, how do they use your services to make themselves a better shop? So the, uh,
1: the best way to do is blanking, where we can have them a, a, a rougher profile of the shape they're looking for. If it's a rectangular shape, most likely they're going to do it in-house. Mm-hmm. But if you have more of an L shape or mm-hmm. organic shape part, that's where the water jet or lazy come in, where you can get a net shape most times uh, we get a net shape and then just machine everything, all the internal cutouts.
0: So the material suppliers do that, but I suspect they're not as fast as you.
1: Correct. Yeah, because they've been doing that. Uh, every material supplier now probably has a water jet. Uh, some of those have lasers, mm-hmm. uh, but they just, yeah, they just don't, can't keep up with the the lead times and mm-hmm. all, or, or quality uh, or both. But uh, we have that issue where you still need that two, three parts that has to be, you still have to machine a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You still have to treat it somehow and uh, deliver it to your customer on time.
0: When we were walking through the shop floor, I saw your Vertec inspection machine and that made me think, okay, what's the bet on that? It looks like it's about four by four. So it fits yes, into correct. the smaller part size again. Correct. What, th- those are pretty expensive, Machines. Yes. Yeah. Why did you make that purchase?
1: So we wanted to make sure every part that goes out the store ha- has been inspected regardless of uh, we're not an ISO company, but mm-hmm. we want to, uh, we're planning on being one. Mm-hmm. And so we want to create a good habit for scanning parts and also not rely on people measuring because uh, one people measure different than the other. Uh, so we want to rely on a machine that has good, tolerances Mm -hmm. and also pass it on to our customer that
0: he's so you do you give them the customer the inspection okay
1: everything goes out with inspection report uh, and they don't ask for so they know the parts been inspected they uh, we keep a a record Mm -hmm. uh, on that job file right and we inspect everything everything that goes out the door and that helps us a lot because sometimes we might be missing one tiny hole on that part that you've it happens. Sure. It didn't cut through. And that's how you, you pick that up. You pick that up. The one missing so item so
0: You just have made it a blanket policy. Every single part every, goes through. Every job goes through. Every job, okay. Yeah, every, obviously yeah. you can't inspect yeah. every part, but yeah. yes.
1: Every, every single job goes through that machine, regardless of customer require or not. It goes through, it goes through with a report, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how we can give uh, confidence on to our customers. Some of those don't require, but it's when you see a, uh, inspection report done. You, you trust? Uh, I, I would say you pr- you you would trust more, mm-hmm. or pass it on, so you know your parts are inspected, not just being thrown on a table, cut and shipped out. And we also it's make sure part
0: that- of what I always called being a frictionless supplier, meaning there's so many other suppliers out there that they have to worry about. That if you no. can, if they can count on you to give them good parts on time at a fair price then they will continue to give you work because they've got too many other people to worry about so you sort of slide under the radar you don't it's sort of funny but in my mind you don't want to you don't want a lot of attention as a supplier no you don't want to reflect (laughs) your quality (laughs) inspector
1: for sure you just want to slide in exactly
0: ACP. they know it came
1: in inspected they know it's footprint and uh, we make sure that, that how it goes out so our our Rework rate is very, very, very low compared to the number of parts we go through the shop. Mm. And uh, that's why we get repeat business and referrals. You know, After some, 10 years in business, you definitely get, start getting a lot more referrals.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation, Carlos. Thanks for hosting us at your shop, giving me a tour, introducing me to some of your team folks. You've really accomplished a lot since you've come to the U.S. And mm. I commend you on that. It's and you didn't speak English when you came here. Very little. Very little. Sure. Very so be like dropping me in Brazil and saying, "Okay, figure yeah. out how to make it work, Jay."
1: <laughs> yeah. With not a lot, wow, with 400 bucks. Yeah. That's all we had.
0: Yeah. So it's it's inspiring to me. I hope others are inspired by your story and encouraged to start a shop if if, if that's what they want to do or if they're struggling to remind them that it's not easy and that it takes the five years. So I really appreciate you being open about it. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: No, I think, uh, I like the opportunity to talk to people like you that have been there, done that. And, uh, okay. uh talk to people that are thinking about or in the third year and they think is, it, it's hard work. Uh, they, mm-hmm. if you do your job, you, you hard work and you take care of your customers, you, you're going to make it.
0: Uh, I also would like to ask the listeners that if you have solved the scheduling problem with a piece of off-the-shelf software, please reach out to Carlos and share a solution that will make his life a lot easier so he doesn't have to use Excel.
1: Yeah, that would be appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that helps.
0: Well, thanks for tuning in today. If you like the show, please spread the word, leave us a five-star review, and follow us on LinkedIn. This is an exciting time for custom manufacturing. Thanks for sharing the journey with us. Have a great day.